0: Everybody say, hello, Tony. Yeah, Tony, my friend, and I, we're going to do a little tag teaming today. But uh, I want to say, if you were not here last week, it is imperative that you either go on YouTube uh, or go through Crossing Mina, the website. Go listen to last week, really the last two weeks. Uh, as we've jumped into this idea of it's time to engage. Um, last week, I don't know what the Holy Spirit was doing, but it was, um, I've been doing this for 40 years. That freaks me out. You know, that I, I've had the privilege of preaching and ministering to forty in the last 40 years. And last week, the message, whatever the Holy Spirit did with it, um, has been the most um, talked about, the most um, interaction that I've had with people of any message I've ever done and uh, never been a part of. It wasn't me for sure. It was definitely the Holy Spirit just did some stuff there that we don't have time to jump into today. All right, so you're going to get some snippets, but you're going to need to go back for today to make a lot of sense. You're going to have to go back and listen to last week, right? That's right. So um, we are talking about spiritual warfare. How many of you know there is a real battle going on? How many of you know the enemy is powerful and he's playing for keeps? right it's not I mean he is for real we we learned last week that he is a liar and a murderer and his native language is that of lies his primary weapon from the beginning of time all the way back from the garden his primary weapon has been that of the lie. Come on. And it's genius. It's absolutely genius. Because we don't see it as the big deal. It's just a little lie. Right? It's just a little lie. But it is his primary weapon of choice. Come on. It is the weapon he will use to kill, steal, and destroy your life. Right? It is. It is. And here's what we learned last week in a nutshell right here. Uh oh. Sorry, M. Yeah, we've had some uh, little bit of. Uh, technical issues today here it is the enemy is speaking lies y'all got that oh come on this ain't gonna work I'm gonna have to repeat everything and Tony they really are to they're gonna be here a long time all right I don't know if your mics on but uh, um, the enemy is speaking lies those lies land in the part of our brain that has the ability to have ideas Did y'all know you are the only mammal alive that has a certain part of the brain that can imagine what is not real? No other animal has that part of the brain. And in that part of the brain, that's where the enemy speaks lies. And those lies land in that part where we can imagine, and in that part of our brain, (laughs) we take what is not real, what is the lie, and we create what we imagine to be true. (laughs) Pretty amazing. We take a lie, and in that place in our brain that we can imagine what is not, As if it were, we can create, we create in that place a truth that is not real, you know? And then what happens is after believing that lie as true, because we imagined it to be true, after believing it a few times, Neurologists say we create a mental map, a neuron pathway in our brain, and it is our default truth. Come on. It's our default way of thinking. And here's the thing. It's bad enough that we believe the lie when those lies create mental maps in our brain. We start living out the lie, thinking that it's true, <laughs> and it destroys us. But Jesus came to give what? Life and life to the full. And that's right here, right now. All right? And so, we ended last week with this encouraging thought. All it takes, it's me butchering a really famous phrase, all right? All it takes for evil to prevail is for godly men and women to believe the lie and do nothing about it. And he wins. He wins in our personal life. He wins in our churches. He wins in our ministry. He wins. All right? So today, we're going to learn how to do something to defeat the lie. Are you all ready? Are you really? Are you ready? Because we are going to talk about that. And uh, and, and really, you know that Jesus talked more about spiritual warfare than almost any other subject? Did you all know that? I, I mean, he did so much of what he taught that we go, ah, well, how is that? No, <laughs> you're going to see today a big part of what he talked about that we don't even recognize as spiritual warfare really is spiritual warfare, and it, it, is, it is critical. So, Tony, the, the, the place that Jesus gives the most exhaustive Example of spiritual warfare. Let's talk about it. Is it gonna? All right. We have to turn that one on. <coughs> Number four.
1: All right. How right. can you hear me? All right. <laughs> it's been one of those days. <laughs> Spiritual warfare is what we're talking about. And and I think that if I remember right, and memory serves me correctly, what you need for spiritual warfare is an old priest <laughs> and a young priest. Crucifix, holy water, <laughs> and a good handle on some Latin.
0: Latin comes in really handy
1: because even demons hate Latin. But when Jesus talks about spiritual warfare, a lot of times it's not the way we look at it, because that's how we typically view it is in the big. Yeah. It's in this big war. It's in this big battle where you're really struggling over something. But when Jesus was tempted by Satan, it's not really this big, dramatic thing. Yeah. And if we look at the scripture, you know, in the original text, there was no chapter and verse. It was just a story. And we're in Matthew chapter 4 is where the bulk of this story is. But if you look back at the end of chapter 3 is the baptism of Jesus. Yeah. Where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. He comes out of the water. The spirit falls on him like a dove. And the voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And I'm going the wrong way. All right. (laughs) <laughs> there it is. and then right after the baptism it says then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil <laughs> isn't that encouraging <laughs> Jesus his first thing after the baptism is to go to the wilderness to be tempted or tested is actually a word that could be put in there as well they're kind of interchangeable the original Greek word and Victor always talks about whenever we baptize somebody, that this is what launched them into their ministry, right? You guys have heard that if you've been here a few times. That baptism is where you launched into the Jesus launched into his ministry, and that's that's what we're praying over you as well. And this was the launch into the ministry. <laughs> to be led into the wilderness to be tempted. Not exactly a highlight reel, right? <laughs> Not exactly the pizzazz that we are really looking for. Uh, I'll get it right in a second, I promise. Uh, Spurgeon said it this way, but let us do what we will. We shall be tempted. God had one son without sin, but he never had a son without temptation. You see, there's only two people that ever faced Satan face-to-face in temptation, and that was Adam and Jesus. Yep. And so he had to be tempted in the same way that Adam was so he could be the sacrifice for all sin. Yeah. He had to be tempted in every way. So he stood face to face where Adam failed. Jesus was victorious. That's right. And so we have to look at how he was victorious. That's right. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he's hungry. <laughs> now, huh. we see in the scripture, we talk about this a lot, scripture is kind of a highlight reel. Yeah. What you see in the following verses, we're going to cover all of them, are three specific temptations. But the mm-hmm. verse says, verse 1 says, he was led into the wilderness to be tempted. I believe he's tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. Yep. It wasn't just these three little things. I believe he's there the whole time with him, and in that moment, that is where we. Uh oh. (laughs) Hello. Okay. We see Jesus fighting a fight that's not really recorded. Because it's in quiet solitude, silence and solitude, where Jesus is waging this war. We see it all throughout his ministry where he would retreat away to be by himself with the Father. And that in and of itself is spiritual warfare. And we hate silence. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Now, some of you are thinking, especially if you have kids, like, no, I love it. When all the kids are in bed and it's finally quiet, but your mind isn't really focused. It's just finally, I can sit for silence hours, for hours, but never be engaged to listen to what the Father has to say. Yeah, I can scroll. I can play a game. I can do different things that keep my mind occupied, but I'm in silence. But that's not what Jesus is doing He is engaged with his father, and he is walking that throughout these 40 days and 40 nights. I believe it is in quiet solitude, and Victor is going to talk more about this later because I don't want to. (laughs) Um, It's where we learn to distinguish our father's voice from the voice of the enemy. In the stillness, in the silence, and in the solitude. And for whatever reason, after the end of no food for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. (laughs) Now, the word hungry here is one of those Greek words that doesn't translate well to English. It means starvation. Yeah. To the point of death. He's hungry. I'm hungry right now. This is a different kind of hungry. This is, if you don't eat, you will die hungry. Starvation. Yeah. And the tempter comes to him and said, if, and I'm going to stop right there because I don't like the word if. (laughs) Because this is not Jesus' first encounter with Satan. That's right. You see, Satan is a created being. And since he is a created being, the creator created him. And Jesus created all things according to scripture. That's right. According to Colossians, according to John chapter 1, both of those talk about that he was there from the beginning and everything was created by him and for him and through him. That's right. So he created him. So he knows him. Jesus himself said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That's right. This is not his first encounter. <laughs> and Satan, as long as he has existed, knows who Jesus is. That's right. And so I don't think for a second he is questioning whether he's the son of God. Because when Jesus stepped off the boat in the Decapolis with the demoniac, threw him on the ground... The demons threw the man on the ground and said, what do you have to do with us, son of the most high God? That's right. So if the demons can recognize Jesus, I'm pretty sure Satan does too. <laughs> so we're going to replace if with since. That's right. Since you are the son of God, tell these stones to become Bread. Now, I don't know about you, but anytime the enemy speaks a lie to me, it always starts with a little lie, and then it just kind of, there's this little gnawing little things afterwards. Like, should I really tell my boss that thing, or should I lie about it? And then you're like, but, you know, what about, how's that going to look? Or isn't that going to offend somebody? You get that promotion you were trying to get. Yeah. You see how it just... One little thing, and then you begin to, to wander further down the road with it. Yeah. And I believe that what we see in the scripture is concise, but it's not the whole story. I believe there's more interaction going on here. Yeah. And so when he says, just tell these stones to become bread, I believe he's whispering other lies along the way. Because yeah. that's his nature. That's who he is. Yeah. That's his native language. I love that phrase. Yeah. And things like, it's just bread. I have seen you, Jesus, bring manna to your people for years. It's just bread. You created everything. You spoke it into existence. It's just bread. Do you really want to starve to death? Is that really the plan? Does God want you to just die? I thought you had a purpose. I thought you had a plan. It's just bread. Yeah. It's just bread. It's just a simple little appeal to the flesh. It's not that big of a deal. There's nothing wrong with bread. Just bread. It's yeah. just a little lie. It's just a lingering gaze. It's just a thought. It's just a text message. Yeah. It's just a movie. It's just porn. It's just this little thing. Nobody's being hurt by it. It's not a big deal. It's just bread. And Jesus, very calmly, answers and says, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I don't need your bread. My Father has provided and sustained me. Do you see how he took it away? The lie was, it's just bread. It's not a big deal. He says, no, I'm going back to truth. Right. And this is what it is. That Satan tries to trick you up and to pull you into his way of thinking. And the realignment is to realign with what God says and what he says is true. That's
0: right. It's just
1: bread. Bread. And then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple, which is about 200 feet, in case you were wondering. (laughs) Since you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. Did you catch that? See what Satan did there? Okay, you're going to quote scripture to me? I know it too. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And you know what? He's not wrong. This is almost a direct quote. Almost. (laughs) This is from Psalm 91. There's just one little part left out. The rest of it's spot on true. And that's the best lies, aren't they? The ones that are full of a lot of truth. Yeah. But there's just a little bit off. Yeah. This reminds me of the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis' masterpiece. And I, <laughs> one of these days I will get up here and I will speak without quoting C.S. Lewis.
0: <laughs> but today
1: is not that day. <laughs> And in the line, the witch in the wardrobe, if you guys are familiar with it, the white witch is in charge of Narnia. Yeah. And Edmund screws up. And so she has a claim to him because of his sin. And she comes to Aslan and says, He's mine. He's mine. You know what the law is. You know what the old scribes say. You know what the old magic says. And Aslan growls and says, don't cite the old magic to me, which I was there when it was written.
0: Mm. So good.
1: The problem that Satan had was trying to argue scripture with the author of the book. (laughs) Yep. But it sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds really good. Just because it sounds good doesn't make it true. That's right. Just because it feels good doesn't make it true. That's right. Because the enemy will trick you and deceive you any way he can. I can tell you that the grass on the other side is not Greener and if it is, that is a septic issue.:
0: That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, absolutely. We have on our
1: own, amazing powers of justification.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: We can justify just about anything. Yeah. And when it sounds good, when it sounds spiritual? when it sounds like it should work, because you can cherry pick anything out of the scripture and make it fit whatever desire you want. But that doesn't make it true. The enemy will lie to you to justify a behavior in you that he desires. Yeah. And again, Jesus answered him, It's also written, because I wrote it, (laughs) do not put the Lord your God to the test. That's right. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down. And worship me. You see, when Adam screwed up in the garden, he gave it all to Satan. That's right. Jesus himself calls Satan the ruler of this world. Yep. It's his to give. And I never thought of it this way until this week when I was studying it. But what Satan is offering, He shows him the world. Now, how this happened is probably a supernatural thing. Yeah. But he shows him the whole world and says, Aren't you here to get all this back? Yeah. I'll give it to you. It's yours. Just worship me. You don't have to go to the cross. Wow. There's another way. I'm giving you an out. I'll give it all back without any suffering. Wow. I'll give it back. It's mine to give. It's all yours back. Just a little bit of worship. But see, Jesus remembered the first time that he wanted a little bit of worship. That's right. Because that's when he saw him fall from heaven like lightning. And in that, he comes to him and tries to offer a way around. Because, and how many times have you heard this? Blasphemy. <laughs> God doesn't want you to suffer. I would love to hear the apostles pick that one apart. <laughs> they considered it an honor. a privilege to suffer for the sake of Christ. We look at suffering as a bad thing. But he comes to him and he says, there's another way around. And Jesus answers him again. Away from me, Satan. And I find it interesting that the other things he just answers with Scripture. He always answers with Scripture every time. But it's when he asks for worship. Yeah. He's like, nope. Nope. <laughs> Away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Yeah. Verse 11, which we, I didn't put on the screen, but in the verse 11, it says, And angels came and comforted him because he had been in a battle. For 40 days, yeah. that's how you know it's a battle if the angels have to come and fix it for you.: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. This is warfare. It was in silence and solitude, and in the it is written that Jesus defeated the enemy. That's right. Now, this is Jesus. He could have, at the first temptation, cast Satan into another dimension. Yep. He has the power to do that. He could have cast him into another galaxy, but he didn't. (laughs) He chose instead to face him as a man, and he resisted him in a way that we can imitate and identify with. That's right. Now, for some of you, because he went to scripture every time and he quoted back scripture, Jesus didn't look it up and be like, oh, where's that at? <laughs> he he knew the scripture because he wrote it. Yeah. But probably for some of you right now, the enemy's already trying to speak lies to you that oh, man, I just am not good at memorizing stuff. I don't read my Bible enough, and I don't know the Scripture, so if he was to spin that Scripture on me, uh, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. I want to tell you today and reassure you that your ability to memorize Scripture is not contingent to your freedom That's right. and your victory in Christ. That's right. Because the word that became flesh is the same word that we use to fight our weapon. And there are people all about our enemy, and there are people all around the world right now who are experiencing victory, freedom, and just kicking Satan's butt who have never seen a scripture. All around the world right now who are pouring it out, this spiritual warfare, without that. But... That's not an excuse. That's right. Because you have it available to you at your fingertips at any point. Scripture says to study to show yourself approved. Yeah. And even if you can't memorize it, you can Google that stuff.
0: That's right.
1: (laughs) Verses about anxiety. It'll be there, I promise. It'll pull stuff. That's right. You can find it. You can Google it and use that against the enemy. Yes. And use it for all of those lies that he does speak to you. That's right. And he was tempted in every way and still victorious. That's right. And we don't often really think about that or like to think about all these temptations that he could have faced because we don't like to think about Jesus having to deal with that. But he was tempted in every way. Which means any sin that you have or have ever even dreamt of or thought of or heard of, he was tempted in it. That's right. He had to be. Yep. In every single one of them. That's right. And yet, victorious. He is, Hebrews says, we do not have a great high priest who cannot sympathize with us. But he was tempted in every way without sin. He walked in our shoes so he would know how to better equip you to deal with these temptations. Yep. He is our Emmanuel. That's right. He is God with us. Yeah. To be able to help us to navigate those things. That's
0: right. And, and I believe the reason that Jesus used Scripture uh, is that Scripture is the one thing that is always true? Come on, it's the one thing that is true. You, you're, you're like, what do you mean? And, and I've done this whole did a whole series on the basis of truth. Just want to remind you that the way we know something is true. The very definition of truth is that it has fidelity or congruency to the original. All right? If you want to know if your tape measure is true, all right, if you want to know if it is one inch on my tape measure is really one inch, How do I know if it's true? How do I know if that is not lying to me about what an inch really is? There's only one way of knowing for sure. And that is if I take that tape measure, I get on a plane, and I go to England, and I walk into a place called the International Something of Weights and Measurements. I forget, right? And you go in there and you say, I want to know if this tape measure's lying. And they'll go and they will pull out the standard of one inch for the entire planet. There is an original. That if my tape measure does not line up with the original it is a lie if it lines up with that one original in all of the in all of the world if my gallon tea of jug, or my jug of sweet tea if i want to know if i'm being ripped off the only way to know if it's really a gallon is to take it to the original one gallon. And I look at the original and I look at my tea thing and go, yep or nope, that's not a gallon. It's a lie. It's a lie. The reason we know the scripture is true is because its source is the original. It's the original for everything that exists. And the way I know if something is true or a lie is, does it line up with the original, with the author, with the one that created see if he created all then he is the standard of all then his word is true come on and it's the truth is the one thing the enemy can't stand against he can't argue with it so he changes the subject isn't that what he did Can't argue with that, so let's try another one, you know? And I love it. Y'all know that wasn't the only time Jesus was tempted. It actually says at the end of that, Satan left looking for a more opportune time. I didn't get him, but I'll get him later, you know? I I just think that is so, so interesting, all right? And in this whole 40 days, There was a lot of what Tony was talking about. There was prayer going on. You know, there was fasting going on. There was uh, silence and solitude. There were those things that we call spiritual practices. But have you ever thought about this? Because this is true. That spiritual practices are spiritual warfare. That's on your notes. When I'm praying... Over the food, there is a spiritual battle that I am winning. Because I'm winning the battle of pride. That's not my food, God provided it. Thank you. Come on, it's a spiritual battle, all right? And and, and it's so, when we think about those things, fasting is a spiritual battle, right? If you don't believe me, just try it. Just try it, you know? Um, The one we don't talk about that Tony was like, I'm going to let Victor talk about, is this thing of silence and solitude. This is a practice that goes all the way back to Jesus. Over and over, it says he went away to a quiet place. It didn't always say he went away to pray, he went away to ask the Father for something. No, he went away to a quiet place silence, solitude. Uh, to go away to a place where there is nothing, no music. You're like, well, I have my quiet time with God. Yeah, with the weather in the background. Yeah, with Fox News on. Yeah, with me asking God for things for that day. That's not silence and solitude. That may be prayer, but this is different. And it's incredibly powerful. Matter of fact, silence and solitude... When you start understanding that it is warfare, it's so cool to see how, how it works. But silence and solitude is no phone, no music, no outside noises going on. We love noise. We live in a culture that just wants more noise. Fill it up. We can't stand 10 minutes to leave our phone. What if something happens? I might miss it. You know? Silence. Soli- I say it like this. Here's how you know if you're in silence and solitude. Now, I say it this way because this is what was happening when I wrote this. If all you hear is the crickets and the noise in your head, That's silence and solitude. And see, we might go, well, that sounds like a peaceful thing. Just to sit, just think about nothing. Just to sit and relax, listen to the crickets. Man, that sounds refreshing. That was not Jesus' experience. Matter of fact, silence and solitude was war, not peace. Matter of fact, I, I want you, some of you, you're doubting me, right? I want you to think about this. Silence and solitude were not a break from the battle for Jesus. It was the field on which the battle was fought. I, I should have got more amens than that. Isn't that what we just read? He went away. And it was a battle that was going on. And, and here's the thing. Here's what happens. And, and you guys tell me if I'm, not, if, if I'm the only one in the room. When I get quiet with my thoughts, And there's no other outside influences. Some of you may not even know what that's like. Where there's no other noise but the crickets and the noise in my head, it becomes very obvious to me. (laughs) The mental maps that I have created that are incredibly destructive. Because how many of us, it's when we're in silence and solitude that our brain goes where we don't want to go. Am I right? Our brain defaults to the lie that has become truth and our brain goes and Oftentimes, our brain will go there. We'll be quiet for two minutes. And our brain, the thought goes through our mind, and we're like, where did that come from? Anybody else? Where in the world did that come from? Silence is the battlefield because it's in that place that we start seeing How the enemy has deceived us. And those lies start coming to the surface. Now here's the problem. Here's what I've spent most of my Christian life doing. Because it's when I get quiet, when I am sitting, just me and God, I'm not talking, I'm not praying, I'm not asking, I'm not worshiping. I'm just sitting in his presence. It's in those place, in that place that I'm there to to be with him. And all of a sudden, those perverted, destructive thoughts start going through my mind. And so here's how I learned to deal with it. Just never be quiet. (laughs) Just stay busy. because as long as I'm busy and as long as there's noise the enemy's not kicking my butt come on can I promise you this there's never been one time Tony that when I was preaching that the thought crossed my mind you know what I think I'm going to cheat on my wife that's never happened one time while I was preaching Never, ever. You know what? I don't ever remember in the middle of a message when I was preaching that I go, you know what? Y'all just wait a minute. I'm going to look up some porn real quick. Because my mind is busy. It's engaged. Right? And so my way of dealing with it was just never be quiet. Always be busy. And that's how you win the fight. The problem is, kind of like a preacher friend of mine who's actually right now preaching his last, probably just finished preaching his last message. Um, And Brother Billy used to say this. He He said, the problem is everywhere you go, there you are. And you can't win the battle that way. Just staying busy. Just staying busy. It does not work that way. It just, it just doesn't. So we have to apply the scripture on top of the lie to know what's truth and what's a lie. Are y'all hearing me? That's the only way to truly win. The battle is to apply that. Matter of fact, Paul actually said he, said, he said, the mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the flesh. It's this battle that happens in the mind with lies. And when it's governed by the flesh, it's going to lead to death. But then he goes on to say, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. It is in the silence and solitude that the battle comes. It did for Jesus. We resist the lie, that overwhelming urge to go to the dark place, and we take the truth of Scripture and we put it on top of it, and when we put it on top, here's what happens in your brain. You write anew with the Word of God, you write a new neurological pathway. You make a new mental map. And after a while of making that new mental map, when the enemy lies, then you're like Jesus going, no, the Word says. That's not who I am. I used to be that. That's not who I am, though. Come on, are y'all with me? Does that make sense? So, Tony, give us an example. You had one. I know we've only got a couple minutes. We're going to do this. You don't quick. have anywhere
1: to be, anyways.
0: Oh no, that's right. Your second service. So, You're stuck. That's right. The All longer right? we
1: take, the more people will be gone from the restaurant.
0: This is true.
1: All right. And so, <laughs> so this may this may surprise some of you, but. I tend to lean a little on the pessimistic side. Yeah. And there's a few people that laugh, and that's because they know me. (laughs) And that's my natural bent. Um, I I don't like to say pessimistic, I like to say realistic, okay? (laughs) My realistic side. And I also love concerts. Yeah, I love going, but the problem with concerts is they're in the future. And because you buy tickets six months in advance or whatever, typically, and future Tony is an optimist. (laughs) (laughs) And so what happens is I buy a ticket six months in advance, but I buy two. Yeah. Because, I mean, (laughs) I'll be dating somebody in six months. (laughs) 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 Right? (laughs) And I'm O for four years on that. <laughs> and about two weeks before the concert, realistic Tony takes over, <laughs> and future Tony has exited the building. <laughs> and you know, when the enemy lies, and we talked about this a little bit earlier with the bread, but when the enemy lies, he'll speak something. And if we grab a hold of that lie, it seems like all the others follow and we find ourselves spiraling. Anybody else? Yeah. yeah. And so here's what happens to me. And, and I'm learning, I just, I just learned this. I just learned. I knew it's been an issue, but I'm learning how to fight it. And it was this week that I, this was a re- revelation to me. And so I share this not for sympathy, not for pity, because some of you are going to be dealing with the same junk. Yeah. But what happens to me is about 3 days or so before the concert the understanding that you're going by yourself sets in. And that first lie comes. And he says something usually to the effect of you're pathetic. You're pathetic. You couldn't find one single person to go with you. You're a loser. What is wrong with you? You're you're defective. You got to be. You're you're ugly. You're you're worthless. You're unlovable. In fact, nobody's ever loved you see how quick, you see how quick that first lie, once you bit it, becomes this big thing that you can't swallow and you keep chewing on it and you keep going through those motions. And it was in that, that when I was studying this and going over it and realizing those things, you see, I struggle I struggle with low to no self-esteem. Um, low means there is some. <laughs> so I'm going to say no self-esteem. And because I know this about myself and I know this weakness in myself, and now you're all thinking, gee, I wonder why I'm still single. It's <laughs> because I have issues. <laughs> But it is written that before I was formed in my mother's womb, my God knew me. And it is written that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And it is written that he loved me so much that he gave his only son to give me the opportunity to spend eternity with Him, and it is written that He has plans to prosper me and not to harm me. That's right. And when I have, when I go through like what Victor was talking about, like when He's preaching, when He's engaged, if I go back to those things that I know are true, even if I don't feel it, I go back to the "It is written." Because it is written that he will do these things for me. That I was created in the image of almighty God. And I was created for such a time as this.
0: You know, I, I, we have all of this, but I just believe the Holy Spirit is speaking. Through Tony, We're not going to go through this whole list that we had planned. Because the truth is, the enemy is lying. Are we buying it as the truth? What he speaks about you, you can't, you won't, you always will be, and then What does the word say about that? We're going to take a few minutes. And it's going to be weird and it's going to be awkward. We're going to take three minutes. A full three minutes. And we're just going to be quiet. I don't want you praying. I don't want you asking God. I don't want you singing. I don't want you looking at your phone. I want you to just close your eyes And just be with your Father. Don't ask Him for anything. Don't necessarily listen for Him to say. The anticipation is that I'm just going to be with Him. Just be. As a son, as a daughter, just be in His presence. Quiet, silent. Father, that we could learn how to just sit with you and let your word win the battle for my mind. wonder where have we allowed or where have I allowed the lie to become true and then kind of the homework for the week is what scripture has he given us that speaks truth to that lie you're like well I, I'm not even sure where to look I, I'm just going to tell you man There's, look at the promises of God just google that the promises of Jesus about whatever Lord that we would start applying your real truth over the lie that has become true to us That we could live in freedom, that we could defeat the enemy for our mind, for our families, for our finances, that we would live different than the rest of the world. I thank you. In Jesus' name, we're just going to sing this song together a little bit up